0: You're listening to How To Catholic, episode 10, How To Decision Making.
1: What should I do?
0: Hey everybody, this is Lisa Cotter.
1: And I'm Kevin Cotter. And we're your co-hosts here at the How To Catholic Podcast, where our goal is to help you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence.
0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. Lisa here with Kevin. Hey. And we, we're we excited about our podcast today.
1: Boom, it's going to be great.
0: It is going to be great. And we're, we're just going to dive right down because this is a big topic. There's lots to say. So here we go. We are talking about how to decision making today. What should I do? Hmm. Kevin, have you ever had to make a big decision in your life?
1: I have had to make some big decisions in my life.
0: Like asking me to marry you?
1: That was one of the bigger decisions I've made.
0: That was probably an easy decision, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you do say so yourself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what we're going to be talking about, decision making. And kind of this question of what, yeah, what should I do? We run into this a lot with decisions, big and small. And you kind of hit a fork in the road and you're like, should I go this direction or that direction? And oftentimes when we think about that, really what it comes down to, if you think about it, you break it down. What you're asking yourself is, what's going to make me happy? That's usually what you're going after, right? You're wondering, if I do this, will it make me happy? Or if I do that, will it ha- make me happy? But we want to take a little spin on this, a little bit of a different spin. And the question we want to go after today is not so much, what do I think will make me happy? But more so, what does God think will make me happy? Or what does God want? What is his plan for us? Because I think sometimes we can get tripped up in this idea of, well, it's all about myself and knowing myself and understanding myself, and that's all good. But ultimately we want to know, well, what does God want? Because God knows us better than we know ourselves. I feel like we've probably said that on the podcast before, but it's one of those mantras that we often come back to. God knows you better than you know yourself. So if you want to know what's going to make you happy, you need to ask yourself, well, what does God want for me? Because that is what will make you happy.
1: Great, so we want what God wants. How do we figure out what, in fact, He wants? And that's what we're going to be exploring today. There are whole books on this topic. One of them is What Does God Want? by Father Michael Scanlon, who just recently passed away, which uh, is very sad, but also a great celebration of his life. And one of the great things, uh, including his work at Franciscan University, uh, was a book called What Does God Want? It's really good on discernment. So if you're looking for something more, uh, look into that. There's also a great life team book on this topic as well. And we'll throw both these books in the show notes that you can look at those. But just to echo what Lisa was saying, decisions are so important. And we look back and we did this a lot when our resolutions podcasts and habit podcasts, decisions are so important because when we think about our year and when we reflect upon our year, it's usually looking back at what decisions did I make what decisions did I not even make? What I didn't discern? How did I, you know, my life maybe just pass me by? I actually didn't make a decision. Um, And so when we decide to start making decisions, we come off something like seek or just start the new year. We're starting and we're beginning to make decisions and we have to figure out as we pursue God's will, how we're going to make those decisions. So today on our show, we have three steps that are going to allow you to make decisions and in particular decisions that are going to, going to conform to God's will. So Lisa, why don't you give us the first step?
0: All right. So our first step, but before, actually, before we dive into those, I just want to make sure that it's clear that these steps that we're going to give you can be used for any type of decision-making or the fancy word that we use sometimes, discernment.
1: That's fancy.
0: It is fancy. Oftentimes, I think when we think of discernment, we think of just whether or not I should be a priest or a nun, or yeah, that's what we think of, just vocational discernment, but really discernment. Uh, can be in any aspect of our life when we're making any kind of a decision. So what we're going to walk you through could help you discern your vocation and make that decision. But it also really, we want to encourage you to use this in the smaller things too, because when we practice in the small things, then it gets easier when we get to the big things because we've practiced. So so step one is to lay the spiritual foundations. And there's kind of two things here before we make any big decision we need to spiritually kind of prepare. And there's two things. The first one is prayer. And prayer is how God talks to us. So this seems a little obvious that we need to be praying. If we want to know what God wants, Well, we need to ask him in prayer?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's obvious, but I think it's totally different than actually doing it. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, I'm so confused about this, or I don't know what God's saying. Craig, are you praying every day? Oh, no, not at all. Well, great. Well, it's difficult for him to tell you just in that one moment, but you're having an ongoing conversation. That's going to be a lot more helpful. So it is obvious, but it can be difficult to do sometimes.
0: Yeah. Not just praying about this specific topic or decision that you're making, but just praying in general. I've always been surprised sometimes God will give me an answer to a prayer or to a decision when I'm not even necessarily thinking about it. But just because of my prayer life, that decision becomes more clear because of the fact that I am in communication with him and having a relationship with him. So making sure that we're praying in the sense of having a relationship with Jesus would be step, uh, well, part one of laying the spiritual foundations. And the next would be grace. We need to have grace in our life, which means we need to be in a state of grace. Kevin, would you like to explain what it means to be in a state of grace? Because I have a hard time explaining it.
1: Sure, well, there's two types of sins, Lisa. There are venial sins and there are mortal or deadly sins and so when're state in grace that that you know definitely we all sin, we all sin each day, but there are certain sins that cut us off from god's grace, and those are mortal sins or deadly sins. These are sins that are serious in nature uh and we do them wh- while knowing what exactly what we're doing and so we want to make sure. Uh, if we want God's grace, we want God to speak to us, we want to make sure we're not cutting ourselves off from God's grace by committing a mortal sin, by doing something, uh, a very serious sin uh, with great intentionality. So if you're interested in this topic, we'll put some more uh, notes or the catechism paragraphs on it in our show notes. Uh, but yeah, in general, that's what a uh, uh, helpful to understand the state of grace. Yes.
0: Yeah, so in basically when we're out of grace, when we're not in a state of grace, then we're cut off from God and we need to be brought back into communion. So the best way to do that is through confession. So this isn't to say that you need to be perfect and never sin and never fall short, but that you need to at least be trying. You need to be striving to be in a state of grace. Um, And even those venial sins, if those can still kind of muddle your vision, if you are in a sin that maybe you didn't kill somebody lately, which is probably a good assumption. Um, But you know, maybe you've just got this ongoing thing that you know that you struggle with because sin is anything that separates us from God. So we, we need to constantly be coming back to confession Getting grace through the sacraments of confession, also through the Eucharist, and through that time in prayer. There's all kinds of ways that we can we can receive God's grace, and and that's going to help us to see clearly. Um, so when you're thinking about the decisions, what I like about these spiritual foundations is prayer. Obviously, we need to be praying. That's going to help us hear from God and grace. When you're making a decision, if you know that the decision that you're going to make, or you're thinking about, you know, disengaging from a situation, maybe it's a job or a relationship or a friendship, if you know that it's causing you to sin and it's causing you to not be in grace, that's a clear sign that it's not God's will. Very simply put, um, God's will is never for you to sin. So if you're wondering, oh, should I do this or not? You can simply ask yourself, does it lead me to sin? And if it leads you to sin, then the answer is, no, you shouldn't do it.
1: Yeah, I I love this point. It's very straightforward, but I think we miss it sometimes. And and Lisa, do you have any examples of cases in which this, uh, occurs?
0: Uh, I think the easiest one is dating relationships. A lot of times people will think, Oh, but I, you know, we do these things, but I take them to confession or, um, you know, we're in this relationship and it's not the best, but you know, maybe I'm helping them grow in holiness somehow. But the fact is, is if it's causing you to sin, then it's not God's will. Now it could be a situation where maybe you are trying as a couple, you're working, you're striving to not live in this state of sin anymore. Then that's one thing. If you're going to confession and you're 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 trying, you sincerely are trying as a couple. But if the other one party wants it and the other party doesn't want it and it's just obvious that you're going to just remain in this state of not grace in your relationship, then that's a pretty clear sign that you're called away from that relationship for this time. Now, could God change that? I don't know. Maybe I'm not God, but at this time, if it's causing you to sin, then yeah, that's an issue or a job. If you have a job that wants you to lie about numbers or inflate things. Um, I remember one time Kevin and I briefly looked at one of those pyramid scheme things. And this guy was like, Oh, well, you, you know, you want to make sure you have enough money or whatever, but if you don't, then you just put down that you did. And you're we like, so you want us to lie? <laughs> and he was like, Well, you just, you know, just at the beginning, that's what you do. And so we're like, okay, clearly not God's will. We're not going to lie. Like that takes us out of a state of grace if we have to lie to do this thing. Therefore, it's not of
1: God. Or even uh, one situation is just honoring our father and mother. So sometimes we'll get in a certain situation to go, oh, this is a good and holy thing to do. But realize it's actually not, you know, living out the fourth commandment. And there's obviously some prudence with that as well. And so we want to think through what that looks like and talk that through. But um It could be something good, but if it separates us from honoring our our parents and that's, it's probably not, you know, we're not, we're not living out the graces that God has given us an opportunity to do so.
0: Especially if you know your parents have your best interest in mind. Yeah. Like what comes to mind right when you said that was um, we had a situation where some friends and I were going to get married and the dad asked, I want you to wait. I, I think that you need, you know, some more financially, get your finances in order before you get married. Um, and they honored that, you know? Um, so that decision, I think, you know, and, and that was a parent who had their child's best interest in mind. So yep. that's a great example.
1: Awesome. So in a perfect world, that's all we need. We just have this infused grace from God. He tells exactly what to do and we could move forward with our lives. But we aren't perfect. So a lot of times we'll get stuck We want to make sure we have this foundation, but we want to move forward and allow us some additional things that are going to give us this discernment. And this moves us to step number two. Lisa, what is our second step to discerning God's will?
0: Our second step is to research. So when we do get stuck, which we will because we're humans, that's when we start to kind of do some research and figure out, all right, so what might God be telling me? And this gets really practical right here. We like to be practical on this podcast, so it's fitting. So the first thing that we can do, sub point of step number two, is to seek counsel, to talk to mentors or spiritual advisors and to gain uh, their perspective. Not to tell you what to do, but to help you kind of see clearly the decision that you're making.
1: Yeah, I think so often we can... uh trying to make decisions on our own rather than really seeking things out. And so a great example was in graduate school. We had a baby at the time. We had a really difficult time getting that baby to sleep. And so I was searching constantly on the web, trying to do all this research, and uh, finally talked to one of my professors. And it was, like, so simple to me. He's like, you know that all the professors here have multiple children for over several years, and we have some pretty good parenting experience. Why didn't you just come and ask us? And it was like a total idiot moment. We're like, oh yeah, that makes lots of sense. But um yeah, I I guess the, the moral of the story is not always just to do research, but it's also where to do research is on the web. But a lot of times it's who are those trusted people that can give you the real advice that you need. And um yeah, I thought that was yeah, very enlightening. Very enlightening, yeah.
0: It reminds me of um Father Brian at his homily a couple Sundays ago, he said his dad used to always say, I happen to know something about that. (laughs) Like every time his kids would have a, you know, something they needed to do for the first time or a decision they needed to make, he didn't want to tell them what to do, but he'd be like, well, I happen to know something about that. So think about those people in your life who happen to know something about that, who might be able to give you some good counsel. Um, And remember just, you're not looking for them to tell you what to do because uh, nobody can tell you what to do. Ultimately, that has to be a decision for you to make that you own, but it's good to get that outside's perspective and get somebody who can look at it objectively with you and without making an emotional you know, reaction, like you might be, uh, help you kind of pull out what is the issue and how could you decide?
1: Yeah, I think there's that huge balance of you want to ask others for help, but like Lisa was saying, you don't want them to give you the answer. And I think so many times, Uh, we just want the answer. Like, God, why doesn't God just tell me what to do? Or or this person, like, just tell me what to do. And we have people come to us after a talk, and they'll say, hey, here's my situation. Can you tell me what to do?
0: Should I break up with my boyfriend?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Should I become a focused missionary? Whatever they're discerning, and the answer is always, you need to make that decision. And so many times when we're making decisions, we want someone else to tell us what to do, not just because we want to know what to do. It's actually, there's this underlying thing that's, we don't want to take responsibility for what we do. We want someone else. We want to be on God. God told me what to do. And so when it gets hard, it's it's his fault. Or this person gave me this counsel, and that was wrong, and it's their fault. And sometimes when we're discerning, I think God gives us lots of options, and it's actually us to choose which option we want to do and to really own it. And so I think uh, our generation a lot of times and millennial generation has a hard time owning decisions, and they want to put that off. But we we need to we need to make those decisions ourselves. So yeah, just that balance between seeking counsel, but not looking for people to make decisions for you.
0: So do you think we're millennials or not?
1: So here's the thing: we Cause were. Because you said our generation. Yeah. So you and I were born in 1983, mm-hmm. and there are no set lines for the difference between Generation X and millennials. Some people put that line at 1985, like people before 85 their generation X and people after millennials. Some people put that line at 80 or, or other people just in between. So there's no like, this is exactly when, and we're, we're at right on the border.
0: So we're neither. So we're, we're ne- yeah, we're neither.
1: I'm, I'm just whatever that generation is when I need to be. That's right. And not whichever one. <laughs> That's
0: right. We claim whichever generation is, is showing virtue at the time.
1: That's correct. <laughs> That's the one we Or Is not taking the blame.
0: Excellent. Okay, so first step in research, our first option is to seek counsel. A second thing we can do is write out a pros and cons list. And this is very simple and it's something that we've utilized several times in our marriage as we're making big decisions. But just simply looking at it, list it out, sometimes can be enough for you to know. Like, oh, that's obvious. One one example I think of is when we uh, we're getting ready to leave campus. So we were um, at Benedictine College on campus as focused missionaries for a couple of years. And this opportunity came for us to move to Denver. And it was a hard decision because I was a hall director. I loved my job there. Uh, there was an option for a promotion for Kevin at that campus. And we had to think, well, do we want to go in that direction or do we want to go to the support center where another opportunity, which was also promotion, was offered? And we really kind of agonized over that a little bit, but eventually we wrote down a pros and cons list. And when you looked at it, while well, there were two or three really great pros, like really good pros about staying in Atchison and staying on campus, compared to all of the other pros that were were there for moving to Denver, it just, it made more sense for us to make the move.
1: Yeah. And it's probably one of the best decisions we've made as a couple uh, together And that's, I think when the pros and cons list, what helps you is to not get sucked in emotionally about one or two things, but objectively see what's before you. It might not give you the answer, but it helps you lay out what exactly is going on in that decision and what are all the factors that can really help your mind just wrap around concretely and and objectively what's, what's going on there.
0: Very good. So that's the second thing you can do, pros and cons. And the third thing is to picture it. Just imagine yourself doing that thing. Or stepping in one direction or the other direction, and God can use that. Um, those emotions, those human emotions,
1: because emotions aren't bad. They're, They're not bad. Neutral. Sometimes they can be helpful. I think mm-hmm. in this situation they can be.
0: And in this situation, yeah, they can be. Like, does it make you excited when you picture that? Does it make you anxious? What is it that God's trying to tell you through those emotions as you picture those two different things? Um, I think this can be really big in discernment for like, uh, if you're trying to decide a relationship for me, that was huge. When I would picture my future with somebody, like if I didn't picture them in my future, then I probably shouldn't date them because it doesn't really make sense for me to start a relationship that I know will end. And I see no real future for, or if there's a job and you, you picture that job or you're, you're, you're choosing your vocation or not your vocation, your major, Choosing your major, if you don't picture yourself 10 years from now thriving in that job that would come from that major, then maybe that's not the right major for you.
1: Yeah, it helps you just really start to look at what are the steps that would proceed from that decision? Like, what what would the results be, you know? All right, I'm thinking about um, marrying this person. What kind of, you know, and you think, what kind of mother would they be? Would I want them to be the mother of my children? Actually, no. Uh Okay, so why are you dating them? Or, This job, yeah, that actually, that sounds really boring to do that kind of work. Great, you realize when you make this decision for that major, it's going to lead you to working that job. Yes. So it just helps you see the actual, uh, sometimes you don't always know for certain, but you see the result of the decision, which can help you realize, oh, do I actually want to make that decision or, or a different one?
0: Very good. So our fourth option for when you're doing your research is to look for open doors. I think sometimes we can get in our minds that there's something we want. We really, really want it. And we're positive that it's exactly what God wants for us. And there's nothing that's going to stop us. My senior, no, freshman year in high school, I had this feeling that I wanted to be on the dance team. And I was pretty sure that that was what God wanted. And it was something that I really wanted to go after. Tried out for the dance team and i I got cut i didn't make it they didn't want me to be on the dance team so that door closed and right there that was the end of that so sometimes it's obvious like that when you're looking for open doors and closed doors and sometimes it's harder we find ourselves just pushing at doors trying to get through them feeling like no this is what i really want and i just i just need to try harder i need to work harder but sometimes if we stop and we we ask ourselves okay, these doors keep closing. Is there something there? Is God trying to tell me something? Is he trying to say, that's actually not my best plan for you. That's not my will for you, but you keep fighting me on it. But if we would just stop and allow ourselves to look at kind of what's obvious and in front of us, it could be a clue as to what it is that God's trying to tell us.
1: And I'm all for like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm all for God being able to help us do things that we could imagine like 100%. 100%. But I think on this one, it is so helpful when we're discerning just to look at reality, right? Like, what is actually before me? Because God doesn't work just in our minds. God works in our life's circumstances, right? That's a part of his will. That's a part of his plan is what is actually in front of us. Yeah, and I think, like you were saying, so many times we try to force it. or We try to imagine a world that's not really there, We may try to imagine we have certain gifts that we don't have or certain connections we don't have or certain whatever we don't have that plays into this plot or this plane in our mind of why we're making this decision. And instead we need to look at, all right, what is God putting in front of me? Because that's a part of him working out his will in my life. And because of what God's put in front of me, how can I take a step in that direction uh, instead of one in our head?
0: And this, and this can be really difficult because our generation, and this is, uh, this is Gen X and Millennial, and we fall in both apparently. We've been, you know, given awards for doing nothing. And we've been told you can be whatever you want to you be, you can do whatever you want to do. Like you dream it, you can have it. And sometimes there's just a card, like this cold, hard reality of that's just not your gifts. Like if I wanted to be on the voice that's not going to happen. <laughs> like yeah. no matter how great of a coach I got, or if I had been trained since I was two, like, that's just that my, my gift. I don't have that. And so just being real about that and recognizing and looking for those open doors. And it's not then that God doesn't have a plan for you or that you can't do amazing things for him. Cause we all are called to greatness for sure, but we need to be open and willing to listen to, well, how is your call to greatness? Um, how is God calling you to greatness? And it might look differently than what you see, what God wants might look differently and to be open to that and okay with that.
1: All right, Lisa. So we've looked at our first two steps of trying to discern God's will, trying to make decisions according to God's will. The first one was to lay the spiritual foundations with prayer and grace. The second one that we just looked at here was research. And we looked through a number of different things, how to seek out counsel, how to make a list of pro and cons, how to picture it and how to look for open doors What's our last step here for trying to make decisions with God's will?
0: Our last step is very simple, and it's to act. I think sometimes we forget that that's a part of decision making, (laughs) but you actually have to act and take a step in one direction. I think it can be very easy just to kind of like um, let the chips fall, you know, and just like not make a decision and instead just hope, you know, oh, well time over time, like things will just kind of come together. And sometimes it does happen and sometimes that is what we need to do. But if we're discerning through something, like you just need to make a decision and you need to step out with faith and actually go for it.
1: Yeah, because I think the Lord gives us desires, but the way those desires are manifested, the way those actually come out can happen a lot of different ways. And so just by taking those steps, we can begin to explore all right, is this a reality? Is this an opportunity? <clears throat> and what, what does that really look like? So one thing that comes to mind is somebody might come to me and say, hey, I want to write a book. I'll say, that's that's great. Writing books is fantastic. Have you ever blogged before? Have ever written articles? Oh, no, I just want to write a book. Okay, well, maybe a good first step in discerning whether writing a book is for you or if you're supposed to be a writer, is just start small. All right, could you write an article? Could you find a Could it be written so well that it's on a blog? And really trying to take those smaller steps and seeing where those lead. And again, getting out of the imagination and getting into reality, I think is always super helpful to determining what gifts do I have? What opportunities are there? And through these things, what is God trying to tell me?
0: I think it's important too. Sometimes I think we we get paralyzed when it comes to this step of acting because it can seem so big and overwhelming. Like the idea of writing a whole book could seem so big and overwhelming. Sometimes it's like, we'll just take a small step to start or because we just get afraid. Like we just think, what if I make the wrong decision? Yep. And like, that's a legit, that's a legit concern. And we're not at all downplaying that, but you have to remember if you've acted from prayer and you're in a state of grace and the, and what it is that you're choosing helps you to stay in a state of grace. And, and you've done your research and you've done your best. Even if you get it wrong, that's okay. Yep. That's okay. You might misstep. You might make a wrong decision, but God, God, he won't abandon you in that and just be like, that's so funny. You tried so hard and I just thought it was hilarious, but you totally blew it. You, you just, I made it really hard to hear me. Right. Like God's not going to do that to you. And if you do make that wrong step, it's just, it's like one of those GPS systems, you know, it's just going to redirect you. God's just going to. Find a way to turn you to get you back to where it is that he wanted you to go if, you know, if, if you've gotten off of the path for, for your life. And so you don't have to live in fear of making a wrong decision if you are like earnestly seeking.
1: And I, I want to just piggyback there and get even more concrete. Failure is very counterintuitive. Failure can be a part of God's will. To help you live out his plan for your life. Failure is not the enemy of figuring out God's will. Failure is not the enemy of living out his plan. Failure, it can be an amazing instrument for us. And like Lisa was saying, so often we're so afraid of failing, it prevents us from finding God's will. I think of all those saints, you hear those stories of the saints where I think Saint Faustina, you know, she went to convent after convent, right? Here's a woman who thinks she has a religious vocation and she goes to a convent and they say, no, we don't want you. And she goes to another convent and they say, No, we don't want you It <laughs> must have
0: felt so bad to get rejected by the convent over and over
1: again. <laughs> but but imagine like for her, she would probably think or she could think, Oh, well I guess I'm not supposed to be a religious really sister or this is really stupid God, like why did you tell me to do this? But through those failures she found the right order to be in that allowed her to be an amazing vessel an amazing witness and communicator of God's mercy. And it was actually, she had this desire, which was good, religious life, but in the way it manifested itself, she had to go through those failures to find the right convent, which probably provided her an opportunity to actually get that message of mercy out there in a way that wouldn't have never happened with those other convents. So don't be afraid of failure. It can lead to greatness. And one of the best ways to figure out that greatness and one of the best r- ways to really accomplish that It's totally through failure and yeah, don't be afraid.
0: And that's when it's just perceived failure at that point. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it seemed like a failure, but actually that was possibly part of how God was bringing you about to where you need to go and you learned from it, you know, as long as you learned from it and you have grown from that and, and you are understanding, oh, okay, this is how God speaks to me. Like it's, it's a perceived failure and that's not a bad thing.
1: Nope. I think most successes I've had in life, I can always look back and see the failures that helped lead to them.
0: We should cross stitch that on a pillow.
1: (laughs) Maybe a cat poster.
0: No, (laughs) (laughs) I like that. That's good.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's about trying and it's about getting out there and yeah, get out of your mind, get into reality and see what the Lord's doing right here, right now. Uh, That's really great. Awesome. All right. So Lisa, those were our three steps. We laid the spiritual foundation, through prayer and, and grace, we looked and we just looked at researching how to understand the decision and how to make that decision. Then final step was really acting, getting out there, living in reality, and start doing and seeing what the Lord is speaking to us as we're going about that. What is our how to challenge for the week?
0: How to challenge. What we want you to do is pick a decision that you are stuck on. Something that you've been kind of wavering back and forth. Should I do this? Should I not? Should I go in this direction or that direction? And we want to challenge you to do your research on that, to go out there and really take those four things. Maybe it's three of the four, maybe it's two of the four, and really try to go after it and intentionally think about it. Um, Because I think sometimes what holds us back from making decisions is just being intentional about it. Give yourself um, that freedom to, to make that decision and to move forward.
1: And like we were saying at the beginning, this doesn't have to be a big decision. Again, if if we want to get better at decision making, we need to do it even in the small things. So, even if you have a, a really small decision coming out coming up, go ahead and walk through these steps and start to get better at these decisions so when those big decisions do come upon you, you're able to do it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, this was our show today. Lisa, I just I don't know about you as we've gotten the swing of things. I just love doing this podcast. It it's is really a lot of fun. fun. It's great to do it together, and it's great to talk these things over, and it's so great to see so many folks at SEEK and just be reminded of our audience and so many people saying that they like the podcast. So that was just a, uh,
0: yeah. Shout out to you guys. Yeah,
1: shout out for sure.
0: Thanks for your love.
1: And just wanted to mention that if you're new to the podcast from SEEK, just want to encourage you to subscribe. That way you can be with us each and every week. We'd be really honored if you would do that. Well, that's our show for today. We'll see you next time and God bless.
0: God bless.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We are so honored that you've given us your time. Show notes for this episode can be found at madetomagnify.com, and you can connect with me on Twitter at Kevin R. Cotter, and Lisa on Twitter and Instagram at Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. We'd love to hear from you there with any questions, comments, or suggestions for topics or guests.
0: And would you do us a quick favor? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would you head on over to iTunes and rate the show for us? This helps us get the podcast out there to those who are looking for a show just like this. Until next time, be saints. It's worth it.